Well, we've come to our reading this morning. We finished our series in Genesis and we're starting our new series in the Psalms over the summer. Matt is going to read out for us Psalm 46. But if you don't have a Bible, uh, check out the link in the description below. It will take you to the page so you can follow along and read with us now. So thanks, Matt. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give away, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake in their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The God Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes the wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the, na- among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob Or do you remember the days when getting a plane was, I guess, a viable way of getting away over the summer? You know, you'd hop on a plane, jet off to somewhere around the world for a summer holiday, maybe. You know, there always be that time where you kind of get on the plane, you sat down, the plane's about to take off. And there about a time where the stewards on the plane, they give their safety briefing and they ask you to plan your route of escape in case of any emergency that happens and you have to kind of look for the nearest door that's near you and plan which door you're going to head to in case of any emergency but if I'm being totally honest I don't know about you often when that safety briefing is going on I know this is horribly irresponsible my mind tends to be on anything but the briefing that's happening my mind's preoccupied with where I'm going, uh, with the list of films that maybe I'll get to watch on the flight, with a whole load of other things and not concentrating on that safety briefing. But to be even more totally honest, I guess there may be another reason is that I guess I don't really believe that I'll ever have to use that. I'll ever have to know what door to use in an emergency. I don't truly believe I'll ever have to come to the point where I have to work out where to go in an emergency. And so because I believe that, I put my headphones in, eye mask on and go to sleep or try to go to sleep. And you know, this psalm that we're looking at this morning, it raises the question for us, where do we run to where trouble comes? Where do we run to? What door do we head to? What do we look to guide us and ultimately protect us when those times come? And you see, I know this morning that I guess maybe like that safety briefing, we'd rather stick our headphones in. We'd rather daydream about something else and and believe that those times would never come in life. And, you know, whilst that mindset might work 99.9% of the time flying, It doesn't work when it comes to life, does it? Hardships and sufferings and trials are guaranteed they are part of life now, aren't they? And, you know, it might be this morning that we are in the midst of suffering and trouble. 
and we are presently feeling its pain in a very real way this morning. And we need to know, we need to hear where to run to, where to look at this moment in time. And yet it might be this morning that we're not in that place at the moment. But, you know, even though we might not be presently going through those tough times, I guess we all know deep down, don't we, that there will be days in the future where it won't always be the case, where tougher and more painful days come. Hardships in their varying degree of scale and their varieties will come in life. And that's something that deep down we all know is assured and a part of life. And so because they will come, because we know that that's a part of life and it's something certain, it's not something that I guess on the plane we can kind of shrug our shoulders at and pretend like nothing's going to happen. Because ultimately in life, there will be days where we'll need to run to something. We'll need to look to someone to be our refuge. And our psalm that we're looking at this morning, do you know it encourages us, it challenges us this morning, and ultimately it points us. It points us to the place, the person that we can wholly and we can truly depend on this morning, especially when we go through those tough times. And as we go through our psalm this morning, there are just two points that I want to kind of uh, highlight as we go through. The first point is our refuge the place of God's presence. And that's from verses one to seven. You see, the first verse of our psalm this morning really sets the tone for the rest of the passage. If you look with me at verse one, it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Uh, that's the, the big headline statement that the psalmist wants us to know and to treasure. And I guess the rest of this psalm really unpacks how and why we should treasure this truth that God is our refuge and strength. And we know that because the next word in verse two is therefore. Uh, therefore, in light of what's just been said, this is the effect that it has. And the effect that it has in the psalm that we see, the effect that it has, verse two, it says, therefore, we will not fear. That's the effect that that truth has. God is our refuge. Therefore, we will not fear and not just fear with the small things. But look at the way that the psalmist describes his circumstances afterwards. He says, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. I mean, it's quite the picture here, isn't it? And there are, there are pictures, aren't they, of things that you could, I guess some of them you could never imagine happening. Things you could never believe could move, like mountains coming crashing down all around. And I wonder whether we notice the sandwich in this first section here. And the similarities between verses two and three and verse six. And so we see the mountains fall, verse two. And then in verse six, we see that kingdoms fall. And then verse three, the waters roar. And then verse six, the nations are in uproar. 
Again, this is the psalmist's world crashing down all around. Things that seem immovable now moving and crashing down everywhere. And, you know, that might be exactly how it feels for us this morning. We're scared. We are anxious because everything in our world, the things that we thought were constant, the things that we thought could never move in our lives are now crashing down all around us. I mean, isn't that what we're seeing right now? Who could have imagined, I guess, a, apart from maybe sci-fi films, the, the world, the kind of world we're in right now, the world in lockdown. Everything we thought was constant and immovably, immovable, crashing down into the sea. Or whether that be the doctor's diagnosis that we never imagined we'd get, the job we've lost yet we always thought would be there, or the people we've lost that we always thought would be around. Our supposed immovable mountains in our lives crashing into the sea, that might be how we're feeling this morning. And yet even with all of this happening, the psalmist is confident to declare that even in those circumstances, he says we will not fear. He says, I will not be afraid. No fear, even when his world is crashing down. How can he say that? Why can he say that with such confidence and assurance? You see, I mentioned uh, earlier about that little sandwich uh, in verses two and three and verse six. But you see, the hope and the comfort that this psalmist has is found in the middle of that sandwich. Look with me at verses four and five. It says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. In these verses that surround, uh, that describe the chaos and the despair all around, there's this little oasis in the middle. And the psalmist, he points us to a city a city that will not fall in verse five, when everything around is falling and crumbling and melting. And it's not falling because it's the city where God is. Remember back to the start, verse one. The psalmist says God is an ever present help in trouble. He's a refuge and he's a help because he's present, because he's there, because of as it says in verse seven, the Lord Almighty is with us. It all points to the place of God's presence being a refuge. In fact, there's a beautiful picture of that in verse four with uh, that river that's flowing through the city, bringing joy to the city of God. And rivers in the Bible are often used to describe God's presence with his people. Uh, right back at the start of the Bible in Genesis chapter two, we see in the Garden of Eden, there's a river that's described and it flows through the garden, watering it. Uh, where this place, the Garden of Eden, where God was with Adam and Eve. And if you think about it, I guess that is the original city of God, God's people in the presence of God. And then if we flick through right to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22 it describes the, the moment when Jesus has come back, when he's made all things new uh, and eternity begins, when God's people are united with 
him forever in the city of God, the new Jerusalem. Well, this is what's described in Revelation 22, verse one. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life is clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. And, you know, in our psalm, the psalmist draws our attention in the midst of everything crashing down around him. The world ending, it seems, in many parts of his life and the troubles that he's facing in the midst of them. He looks to the place of the presence of God. He looks to where God is because the psalmist knows that that place is strong and it's secure and this morning, I pray that as we're looking through this psalm, we find this an incredible comfort to look to the place of God's presence. Because firstly, we need to recognise this morning that at this moment, right now, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit lives within every single one of God's people. Those who have trusted and committed their lives to the Lord Jesus and I love what Jesus says to his disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28. And he's given them the great commission and he tells his disciples to go into all nations making disciples. And then he ends, doesn't he? He ends that before he ascends into heaven. He says, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. He's with us presently. He promises to walk alongside every step that we take in life. And in life, we will experience trial and we will experience tragedy and we'll experience suffering. But like David says in verse 23, as he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death, as he's walking through that valley, he says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You are with me. God wants us to find comfort and peace in the tragedy, in the valley, in the chaos, knowing that he hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't left us on our own. He is with us. And for some of us this morning, do you know, we might hear that. And we might say it doesn't look like he's with me at the moment. It doesn't feel like he's with me. And yet, do you know, whilst it might feel that way. Do you know, the reality is that, as David said in that psalm, as our psalmist in our passage knows, even in the darkest of times, God is with us. Do you know, I can remember one of the things that my grandpa said to me that I've treasured and I've held on to over all of these years. Is him saying to me, he says, faith is a journey that only makes sense backwards. Do you know, I'm sure many of us could testify to that, that it's only till we look back. Often it's only when we look back afterwards do we see that it was God's strength and it was God's grace that carried and led us through every single one of those dark days. 
Though we maybe thought he wasn't there in the moment, God was with us. And afterwards, when we look back, we see that he was. God is with you. He is an ever present help in trouble. And yet, you know, it's not even his, it's not just his present presence that's a refuge for us, that's strength for us in the chaos. But the psalmist looks to the city of God and it points us to the eternal place of God's presence in the city of God that, that one day Christ will bring and his people will be gathered forever in a place of eternal joy where there will be no valley of the shadow of death. Every tear will be removed. There'll be no more curse. A city that will last forever. It won't crumble. It won't fall. God will be within her and God will be his people. And, you know, if this if that this morning, if that's not a refuge for us, then I'm not sure what could. To know that whatever happens in life, whatever the results, whatever the circumstances, if the worst should happen to us, then as Paul writes in Philippians, actually the best has happened. We get to be with Christ forever. This morning, our refuge can be in the ultimate place of God's presence, that eternal place that God has prepared for you and for me this morning to enjoy with him forever. You know, Jesus in John chapter 14, he says these incredible words to his disciples and to you and to me this morning. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you can be where I am. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Even if the world comes crashing down, Christ promises you refuge with him forever. Not even death can defeat or hold those who trust in him. And I wonder this morning, do we trust this refuge? Do we look to this refuge? Is this going to be the place that we run to in our lives? The Lord Almighty is with us now. And one day we will be with him forever. And that brings us to our second point this morning as we go through our psalm. And the second point is our refuge, the God who will be exalted from verses 8 to 11. And no doubt, uh, maybe we might be familiar with the words of verse 10, which says, he says, be still and know that I am God. And, you know, as we as we read through this, I think this verse is, is both an incredible comfort, but also an incredible challenge to us this morning for us to take refuge in. And the reason I also say it's a challenge is because of the context that this verse has in this psalm. You see, I don't think these words of God are addressed just for to, to a particular group, but they are addressed to everyone. Because in the context of this psalm, we see described in verse six, it says nations are in uproar. Uh, people are in rebellion against God. And, and then in verse eight and nine, we we get this invitation to see what God has done. 
And what God has done, it seems, is, is God ends the war. He's ended the war. He breaks the bow. He, he shatters the spear. And then God speaks in the midst of that victory against people rebelling against him. He says, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. And, you know, it's in that context that it's really a call for those who oppose God and fight against God to be still and know that he is God. And, you know, I don't know this morning where each of us stands in our own personal journey of faith. Whether we're and where we might be watching it this morning, whether we're listening to this with it on in the background. And, you know, it might be we're hearing this and we might be able to relate in some point this to relate with this idea of fighting against God, fighting with him being in charge. We fight against his rule, maybe we fight against even the possibility of the acknowledgement of his existence this morning. And God speaks to us this morning and he says, be still and know that I am God. He says, be still. God says, whatever fight we want with him, we will lose. It's like running into battle against tanks and fighter jets with a water pistol and expecting to win. He wants us to know this morning that he is God and we are not. Be still, God says, and know that I am God. And do you know if that's us this morning, or do you know that it's not too late for us to turn to him? To ask from him for forgiveness. Do you know, I love what Romans chapter five, verse eight says. These are amazing words. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, sinners being whilst we were enemies of God, whilst we were fighting and rebelling against him, whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love for you and for me this morning in the person of Jesus and God longs for you to make him your refuge and strength. But you know, this verse, as well as it being a real challenge to us and our pride, it's also an incredible comfort and it's a much needed reminder for God's people to just be still and know that I am God, he says. How often I need to be reminded of this truth. Because this is so counterintuitive, isn't it? Because when trouble comes and, and when problems arise, the last thing we normally want to do is to stay still. We want to rush and we want to, to solve all of our problems ourselves and we think of ways that they can be sorted and we struggle with the, the pressure and the anxiety that they bring. And so it seems that stillness and being still at rest is the last thing that we could ever do. But God reminds us here of the most, what I think is the most comforting truth in the whole Bible. Be still and know that I am God. Because that statement is saying so much. And yet I, I want it to say, be still and I'll sort everything out for you. That's what I want it to say, but it says... What I need it to say is to be still and know 
that I am God. I am God in control of everything. I am God who knows and has planned the the end from the beginning. I am the God, the maker and the sustainer of the universe. I'm God, the one who knows how many hairs are on our heads. I'm the God who gives us every breath that we take. The one who at this moment is in control of every heartbeat. The God who does not sleep. The God who raises the dead. The God who spoke everything into existence. I am God and I am not. Be still and know that I am. And God, this is one of the biggest and most profound truths in the Bible. And so when I when it feels like my world is crashing down and things that we never thought could move, move and they come crashing down, the comfort we need is this. And God says, know that I am God. He's in control. He holds our life in his hands. He knows today what our tomorrow is like. He's God. And the bigger and the more glorious picture we have of God, the more comforting and the more reassuring this verse will be to us. And, you know, as I've been reflecting on that verse, I've been thinking about it, you know, I wonder how often I take to really take time to reflect and to meditate on this verse, on this truth. You know, this evening, I even wonder if we're really struggling to get to bed. And we're struggling with anxiety. We're worried about so many things going on in our life at the moment. I wonder before we go to bed, the last thing that we do before we go to bed is to open up Psalm 46 and to read this verse. Be still and know that I am God. Because as someone once said, going to bed is humanity's daily reminder that we are not God. But, you know, we'll notice or you'll notice if you read through this psalm that that's not where the passage ends. It doesn't end with just that one line. But God goes on to say, he says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Now, for anyone else to say that, it sounds like the most arrogant thing in the world, doesn't it? But not just when we've seen God describe who he is. He's God. And he tells us that this isn't just a possibility. This isn't something that might happen, but this is certainty. This is something that will happen. God says, I will be exalted. And God wants us to hope and to have our refuge, not just in his presence, not just in his identity, but in the certainty of his future glory. And we might wonder this morning, how on earth Is God's glory a refuge for us? But you see, this is the refuge that Jesus himself knew and trusted as he went through the most grueling and the darkest of days. Jesus trusted, didn't he, that death wasn't going to be the end for him, but that glory was going to be the end of his story. That's where it was going to end up. Jesus, before he's crucified, says this in John chapter 16. He says this to his disciples. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. 
I have overcome the world. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Jesus' confidence in his darkest and most grueling of days as he's walking through a very real valley of the shadow of death is in the certain glory of God. And Jesus tells us to find our hope and our refuge in the certainty of his future glory. Because, you know, in this world, we might not know many things about our future. We might not know how things are going to pan out. We might not know what the future holds. But God makes one thing abundantly clear to us this morning. God will be exalted. God will be glorified. That is something that we can be totally certain about in the future. And do you know the beauty of that truth is? Is that the Bible reveals that when Christ is glorified, when he comes back and everyone will see him as the king of kings. And he's glorified to the world. The Bible reveals that those who hope in him, who have their refuge in Christ, will not only see that glory. But get this, they'll get to share in that glory too. I love what Romans 8 verse 17 says. It says, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Do you know, every time we go through trials and we go through sufferings, we need to remind ourselves of this, our refuge, the God who will be exalted the God who will show his glory to the world one day. The God who will restore and make all things new. So glorious. The God who will not only show his glory, but the God that will share his glory. In Christ. With us. One day. And so this morning. We know, don't we, that in life we will go through hardships. It might even be this week that we experience sufferings and hardships of various kinds. And just like that safety briefing in the plane, we need to know where we're going to run to when that moment happens. What we're going to look to when times of suffering and trouble come. And this morning, this psalm acts like those lighting strips on the plane. And they guide us towards the place that we need to head towards, the place we need to go to, the place we need to look to for safety and for refuge, the place of God's presence and the God who will be exalted. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. He says, be still and know that I am God. Well, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we want to take this moment to be still and to acknowledge the simplest and yet most profound truth in the world, that you are God 
You are the only God. And God, we are sorry. We are sorry for the way that often we try and act like we are God. We rush around and we we try and do life and we worry about so many things. And God, you call us to trust. You call us to be still before you and to acknowledge that you are in control and that every part of this universe is within your hands. And Father, I pray for us this morning that we would each know this incredible peace. We would each know you as our refuge, that we would be looking to the place of your presence this day when we will be with you forever in a place so glorious. When you will be exalted, that certain day when every tongue will see, every eye will see and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, we look to this day and we want this to be our refuge this morning. We want this to be the thing that we run to and we cling to every single day of our lives. And Father, we don't know what's going to happen in our lives. We don't know what the future holds. But Father, we thank you and we praise you that you do. You know every day of our lives. And Father, we want to trust you and be still and know that you are God. You are our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Our Father, we praise you and we worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.